Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about why we still don't know how eels reproduce and how scientists solved a 150-year-old question about how sandcastles hold together. Let's satisfy some curiosity. Here's something I bet you didn't know. Scientists still don't know how eels reproduce. No kidding. See, eels have proven to be one of the most mysterious animals out there. Over the centuries, scientists have tried to catch them in the act of reproducing, to no avail. No one has ever found a single eel egg. And that might come down to their weirdly complicated life cycle. Pretty much every eel of the genus Anguilla begins its life in the Sargasso Sea in the Atlantic Ocean. That's when tons of tiny eel larvae start a perilous journey home along the same migration routes their ancestors have traveled for tens of millions of years. Some head to Europe, others to North America, with many taking nearly a year to make the trip. Along the way, the eel larvae balloon from about the length of a sesame seed to the length of your thumb. At this stage, they're called glass eels. People actually thought glass eels were a completely different species for thousands of years. At this point, something wild happens. These marine creatures swim from the salty seas straight into freshwater rivers. It's a change that would make most marine animals swell up and die. But not these eels. Their kidneys morph to keep blood salinity at safe levels. Once they get into the river systems, they're called freshwater eels. As the freshwater eels swim upriver and mature, they transform again into elvers. Elvers are basically the goats of the river. They're super omnivores that eat anything they can get their jaws around. They spend 10 years gobbling down every morsel they can before turning into yellow eels. Still the same species, but again, we only realized that recently. Yellow eels grow to about the length of a baseball bat. It's only at this point that they develop sexual organs. Organs that scientists over the centuries struggled to find in all those other quote-unquote different species of eel. But there's still one step left in an eel's life. Yellow eels eventually turn into silver eels. And that's when they make the entire journey again in reverse. A 2015 study successfully recorded one eel doing this exact thing. In just 45 days, it traveled 1,500 miles or 2,400 kilometers from Quebec to the Sargasso Sea. Researchers have never witnessed what exactly the eels get up to when they meet back in the Sargasso Sea, but many scientists think the eels eject dense clouds of sperm and eggs that join together and create millions and millions of sesame seed-sized larvae. Once they're ready, those tiny creatures will attempt to make the same perilous journey as their ancestors at which point they'll just have to turn around and come right back. But for now, evidence to prove this theory once and for all is something that just keeps giving researchers the slip. Because eels are slippery. They sure are, Ashley. <laughs> Let's take a little break from the cold winter weather. Close your eyes if you're not driving and think about the beach. Feel that warm sun beating down on your sunscreen-covered skin. Hear the tide rhythmically roll on and off the sand. And see kids plopping sand out of buckets and sculpting firm yet fragile sandcastles. And now, you can open your eyes again. Prepare to feel the awe of physics! Because researchers have just confirmed how sandcastles actually work 
at the very smallest scale. New research shows exactly how water and sand interact at the micro level to form such strong, solid shapes. And this research has been a long time in the making. We've known since 2008 that wet sand sticks together when water molecules between the grains form structures called capillary bridges. It's the same thing that happens when you get your fingers wet and put them really close together. A little bridge of water forms between them. Water likes to stick to things, and the rough edges of sand grains make for a particularly good surface. And that's why even a small amount of water can quickly travel through a bucket of dry sand to make the whole thing moist and sculptable. Even humidity in the air is enough to form these capillary bridges. And that's because of the super tight spaces between the sand grains, which gives rise to a phenomenon called capillary condensation. That's when water vapor automatically condenses into liquid if it finds its way into a very tight space. Sir William Thompson, later known as Lord Kelvin, was trying to figure out this phenomenon as far back as 1871. Experts still rely on the Kelvin equation to understand how molecules behave where a liquid and vapor meet. The Kelvin equation has worked well for 150 years. But researchers are working at smaller and smaller scales these days, and conventional physics has this tendency to break down at really small scales. So researchers behind this new study tried to break the equation by testing it at the molecular level. They built a truly minuscule experimental setup by layering atom-thick crystals of mica and graphite on top of one another. Between each layer, they placed tiny strips of graphene as spacers. So imagine a sandwich, two slices of bread with three strips of bacon equally spaced out in the middle. It's making me hungry. The gaps between the graphene bacon were just wide enough for a layer of water one molecule thick. Told you it was tiny. And after running some experiments, they concluded that Kelvin's predictions held up even at the smallest scale possible. This is a big surprise for the researchers. Lord Kelvin would have been surprised too. He also thought the equations wouldn't hold up at small scales. Now, is this big news for the sandcastle engineers of the world? Uh, probably not. But here's a research-backed tip to take with you to the beach. One pail of water to eight pails of sand will give you the strongest sandcastle around. Let's recap the main things we learned today, starting with the fact that nobody knows for sure how eels reproduce. Eel larvae turn into glass eels, then freshwater eels, then elvers, then yellow eels, then silver eels, and then swim more than a thousand miles away to maybe eject clouds of sperm and eggs, question mark. Very confusing. I mean, it took us thousands of years to even know that they're the same species. This is like trying to figure out that Magikarp evolves into Gyarados. They look nothing alike. Or like Dratini and Dragonite. I know you know what I'm talking about, Ashley. I really don't, but I, I, I think I know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> you're, saying, you're saying that eels are basically Pokemon, mm -hmm. which is cool. That is cool. That is really cool. And we also learned that after 150 years, scientists confirmed that the Kelvin equation is why sandcastles hold together. Not to be confused with the Kevin equation, 
which just involves scaring away burglars with old gangster movies and mannequins. (laughs) (laughs) Was that a Home Alone joke? Yes. (laughs) That's extraordinary. That was extraordinary. Oh, I'm so happy right now. (laughs) Thank you. So, Kelvin equation. Basically, wet sand sticks together when water molecules between the grains form capillary bridges. And the Kelvin equation says that at really small spaces, that could happen with water vapor. Water vapor can just turn into water and form those capillary bridges, too. And conventional physics has a bad habit of breaking down at really small scales. Darn you, quantum physics. But not here. Turns out it works at the molecular level, too. Were you a big sandcastle builder ever? Yeah, I was born in Southern California, so we would go to the beach a lot. I mean, we had a beach in Northern California, too, but it was much colder. It wasn't really a sunshine and sandcastles beach. It was more of a a wetsuits and gloves beach. (laughs) Anyway, long story short, yes, I made sandcastles. (laughs) Really fun type of beach, the wetsuits and gloves beach. (laughs) It's cold up there. Yeah, no thanks. I that was never like my activity on the beach. I would either be in the water or I just like to kind of sit there and exist, soak up some sun. But beaches are cool. Can't wait to get to one. What you never you never like buried your dad in the sand? <laughs> no. Just with just his head popping out. Wait, did did you? <laughs> of course. Wait, that's a thing people <laughs> actually do? I thought that was just like a TV show trope. Yeah. I mean, it's vi- like that takes a lot of work to bury like an adult man completely in the sand. But, you know, you bury part of him mm. or you bury part of your brother. That was more my speed. Great. Something to look forward to. Got to make sure my son never listens to this episode. <clears throat> <laughs> Today's stories were written by Grant Curran and edited by Ashley Hamer, who's the managing editor for Curiosity Daily. Today's episode is produced and edited by Cody Goff. In honor of eels and sandcastles, we'll leave you with this famous quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. Live in the sunshine, swim in the sea, drink in the wild air, and join us again tomorrow to learn something new in just a few minutes. Okay, so maybe he didn't say that last part, but you should still do all those things, especially the last one. And until then, stay curious. More like Ralph Waldo Elverson. (laughs) Ha ha.